0: Welcome to Living Martial Arts with Master Ray Gale, aka The Dark Master. Living Martial Arts discuss and examines the everyday exercise, philosophy, and lifestyle of the martial arts enthusiast. The host talks about his own training, past and present, and he also interviews many martial artists to discover how they continue to live their own martial arts journey. Tune in for top tips on how to get the best out of your martial art or perhaps you're thinking of starting a martial art, this podcast offers you an easy way to dip your toe in. Sign up for the newsletter at livingmartialarts.com and get regular updates and training tips direct to your inbox. Follow the Dark Master on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at livingmartialarts. Excellent. So uh, good day to everyone. Uh, it's me, the Dark Master on Living Martial Arts. And again, uh, f- fantastically excited for the third time. I have Mr. Adam Woodhouse, who I'm pleased to talk to, and I'm sure that you're going to find this really, really interesting. So uh, how are you today, Adam?
1: Hi, Master G. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, looking forward to this. Uh bit of a- it's it's strange uh, as we were talking about uh, leading up to this uh the idea of where to start with things, but what yeah. one of those once you get once you start talking about things, it's just like two people talking, you sort of forget the formula there a bit. and
0: <laughs> Yeah, well that, that's it. And I think I think that's that's what we want really. We want um uh everything to be to be first take. We don't don't want anything too polished. <laughs> just, yeah, uh, just just like just like martial arts, it's always work in progress. Trying to, oh, get, yeah. uh, trying to get better at it. Yeah. yeah definitely so what I was going to ask really was a bit more about um, a bit about, more about you and your system and it's interesting because obviously I don't know martial arts has, has take it takes people in different directions uh, it's certainly taken you in a, in a different direction it, it, it's taken me in many different directions over the years you know as I say I started as a competitor when I never ever when I started, thought about competing, that wasn't in my mind. Uh, and then I found out I was quite, you know, I was quite good at it. I could do quite well in it. Um, and then from there, very, very early on, it took me into teaching. And if anybody had told me when I was started martial arts, I'd be teaching it, I would have ran away <laughs> because that, that, was, <laughs> that also wasn't me. Um, and then later on, somebody said, you know you're going to run a or be chairman of a martial arts organization then that would have scared me to death and I'm still getting used to that after 20 years uh, I don't see myself as a, a chairman type person <laughs> I <don't see> myself <laughs> like that so it really is the sort of um you know your martial art why, why you use the sort of system you do really and I know that's probably come from your sort of self-defence self work as a doorman and you know mm. w- whether it was the doorman first and then the art or whether you thought right I'm gonna um work on this art to become a, a doorman or whatever so I don't know mm. tell, tell us about it tell us about that
1: well I don't think it was uh, either of those two routes um after sort of starting to see the alternative sort of applications for things back um, in the sort of early 90s early mid 90s um, I just wanted that extra bit of knowledge, um, because as you always like to have that sort of idea of being tested, and that was a yes. great thing yes. uh, earlier on with gradings. How uh, I think we mentioned this uh, last time, uh, going about standing up in front of every, uh, in front of over a hundred people quite often, and sometimes only four people or even two people on the floor. There's a lot of people looking at you for um, for quite a while. It's a great, you know, it is a great test. Um, you know, not just of your ability, your uh, your physical ability, your ability to stand up in front of other people. And once, after you've done that a number of times and obviously and competing's a bit like that as well, especially when you get to a higher level um sort of into the black belt patterns di- divisions, um, all, almost more so than the sparring because you're just up there on your own. Um, or maybe not as much as the sparring, I, I'm not sure. I sort of stopped doing the sparring after a sort of second down, I think. Um, but it's just a different way of sort of, um, I wanted a little bit more knowledge rather than doing the same movements again with very slight variations. Um, which wasn't, wasn't for me enough sort of a, of an increase in step of knowledge. Mm. So, mm. um, yeah, I why just started looking into the alternative applications and use of things like, uh, that sort of introduced me in a weird roundabout way to, um, the British Combat Association use of the, like, the fence, which was a, a primary sort of yeah. Yeah. driving force for um, skills that go with the techniques as well, and uh, the oh, sort of soft, softer side j- of skills.
0: J- just stopping you on that, it, it, sure. I, it, it, it was interesting because I actually read um, Jeff Thompson's book, On the Fence. Mm. Um, I've still got it here, actually, and it was really mm. interesting, you know, just that particular position um, on how... How you could break it down to make sure that you were doing it correctly, and you know every, mm-hmm. everything everything was as as it should be. And I actually got first introduced to that in the in the eighties. Myself and Masro, we went on a uh, a seminar with Jeff Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was he was very very sort of high profile then, more than he is now. And uh, he he did a seminar in in Coventry sports centre and I think he talked for about an hour and a half on the fence <laughs> and that yeah. position so it, it was fantastic
1: okay. it was a real eye-opener actually a real mm. eye-opener for us so sorry yeah carry on go for it that's the thing about you saying about the fence it's, such, it's so utterly simple and um I've had uh other martial artists I've talked to and they just oh yeah yeah I've seen that and it's there's there's a complete sort of art sort of to do with the soft skills to go with that it's Yep, I've got that. It's easy to see it and just say, well, that's just a technique. But there's so much to there's so much to go with it. Um I still work on my fence as often as I can. I mean, with lockdown and what have you, there's no like physical person to actually do it with. Um, but luckily I've got a lot of experience in using it, in training in it, and in using it in reality that I can I can still sort of work on it to a degree, but it is a very much um something that's well, like like a lot of skills, they deteriorate over time. They're so um, just trying to keep their hand in and work on the, how the stance works with it. So if someone's pushing onto that front hand, you can sort of start absorbing the pressure through the back foot, so you don't topple over and things. So it's all about your posture and things. There's a, yeah, there's very very much a lot to go with it. Um, and if someone said like you're saying, Jeff Thompson spent over an hour on it, and it's it's it really is there. Um, there is so much to it, as you know. It's even though it's so utterly simple, it's uh, quite a, quite fascinating, really. Uh, seeing people, even of really high high end martial artists that have never done it, and it's quite a yeah, it's a totally different type of technique, even for people that have done things like tie boxing or very very close physical interaction stand up arts. It's still um it's still a bit alien to them because of what it what it is, and feeling that pressure on it and deciding when to do things. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting sort of thing in itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, sort of back to the point. I after learning some of the alternate sort of applications of um, the traditional uh, taekwondo techniques um, as something because uh, I just got more and more into it. And I think I there's a lot of them out there which aren't what I would consider that you would ever be able to be used in reality. And they're they're nice as an education point of view. Um, and at the start, when I first started um, my own sort of system, um, I tried to cram too many of these techniques into it. And it ended, there ended up just being this massive funnel of information. And um, like Jeff Thompson talks a lot about this, as you know, about that sort of, um, what does he call it? Like you get a, a tunnel vision and you're trying to fit a number of techniques into this one moment. And under the effects, and the thing the fence... And doing fence work and adrenal sort of dump testing teaches you that you can't, you've got too many of these things trying to fit into this tiny gap. Oh, what well, if he grabs me, do I do this or do I do this technique or this technique? Um, so you've got to, it's all gotta be uh, fine-tuned and um generally throw the ones that you throw the more difficult technical ones, as it were, out of the way and just try and keep hold of the simpler ones. And these days, um I have ditched most of the ones that I've been. Yeah, that haven't got, um, how do I put it? If something goes slightly wrong, you want it to at least have some sort of cover and have some sort of practicality still. Because a lot of them rely on them working 100%. And as even most of the, you would say, like the bunkai experts, the application experts, would say that they're, they're just training tools. Um, and they're good to know, for as I said, the sort of uh, historical knowledge and um, just looking at the martial arts in a dip- from a different angle, as it were. But the actual pla- practical thing is the element that sort of I ended up sort of getting into. So, but yeah, going back to your sorry, your question of which sort of came from, I got much more into the techniques. And then after doing the door work for some time, I decided to, s- to start streamlining this system. But it was almost a little bit too late by then. Um, I'd been teaching it for a few years by then. And I didn't decide that straight away as a dormant. It was like four or five years later. So I've been teaching the system for maybe six years before I and it seemed a bit too late because I spent all this time teaching people. It may me a bit sort of feel negative about what I had as a whole. Um and yeah, so it got it got streamlined at a, at a much later date. And we used to um where uh, like a heavyweight dobok, a heavyweight gi in the class. I had a belting system. I mean, these days I've um, I've still got a sort of a, a loops grading system. There's only like three grades, but that's just to sort of uh, give sort of stepping stones, um, sort of to go through. But even the someone who's been training with me for twenty odd years, uh, but one of my one of the guys um, is training with me now for um, since like the sort of late nineties, I guess. Um, he still does the stuff that the beginners do because it's all skill-based and it's all to do with sensitivity of feeling where the person is and stepping off at angles and um, reacting to things that are happening. So, yeah, it's it's honing skills um, and all these skills deteriorate over time. So it's always good to keep your hand in even on the, even on the utmost basics. And not just the technique, but, the, yeah, the skills as well. Not just hitting a bag, but reacting to things that are happening and people moving into you and what to do at certain times so yeah keeping those skills in and it is a lot more streamlined now I probably teach only oh, I don't know the exact number of techniques but probably about 20 altogether um and some people would say well like for instance in taekwondo what grade would you say you've learned 20 mm-hmm. techniques at probably green tag maybe I don't know somewhere around there
0: yeah I mean I I, I, think de- I think it depends on how you look at it, because I, I actually see, um, you know, I mean, there's lots of different techniques in Taekwondo, but actually the founder of Taekwondo, General Che, told me this, that after blue, sort of blue belt, most things are repetition.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, but actually, I, I see it a lot simpler than that. I, I may be doing something slightly different with my arm in a different shape. Let's call it a shape. Yeah. But my actual body is moving the same way, um, sure. you know. So I, I don't see I don't see when I look at say Taekwondo I don't see now lots of techniques I used to I used to mm. see yeah you know, all these techniques we do this technique do this technique and then all of a sudden I thought well actually this technique is really this technique but with a different mm. arm position or this te- this kick is this kick but slightly different variation or hitting mm. a different target so I I actually see the art now. Uh, a lot smaller than when I first right. started. You know, it, it looked it looked huge. You know, you, you learn this pattern, yeah. but then I thought actually this pattern is very similar to this pattern. And only, you know, we only learn a different move every now and again. Uh, but actually, most things are very very similar. And mm-hmm. my my mindset is that you know, um, if I if I had the choice, and for me, I was going to design uh, sort of taekwondo. You could you could mm. probably use the first you know seven or eight patterns um, and say right well, that's it that's taekwondo now just make make up some moves yourself based mm. on what you've just learnt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, I see, you know, you're talking about say the karate bunkai and the guys that do um, do that. Mm. I, I sort of I sort of uh, look at that and I look um, I look at the the perhaps that their defence. They're defending against a specific specific thing, um, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, fighting doesn't work like that because you don't know what's going to come. Um, of course, yeah and, yeah. and I think that's why things like the fence and and standing and also as well and I don't know whether you teach this perhaps you can let us know is the verbal communication between people because actually actually the verbal communication is huge in self-defense which I think Mm. um you know myself included I'm guilty of this and a lot of martial arts don't cover um you know what your Mm. thoughts on that
1: oh the I mean the idea of difference between um I don't just teach the idea of self defense. I like the whole sort of full spectrum of uh, self protection. Yeah. Um, so things like situational awareness um, and then the contact management or the conflict management when someone, the, the verbal interaction between people. So that's using the fence and reacting with it, not just the physical action, but also you can use things like facial expressions and posturing with your hands if you want to set up something where you're where you're i don't know if you can see the hands instead of having the fence sort of here mm. you might want to use the hands this way and um, there's something i used to use as a, a doorman like this where i would be in the middle of a conversation with somebody and i'd feed them through into a, a lateral vascular constriction to a sleeper i'd use this on this i would be talking to them like that and I'd go look mate and I'd, this would be almost like a questioning posture so you're, you're sort of going through the verbal um, interaction but also trying to use your body at the same time as the verbal so yeah. in self-protection you might say this i don't want any trouble what's the pro- what's the problem and this 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 is like a question you're like i don't know what's the problem the hand's coming here and as i might be talking i might use this on their right elbow and punch into the their left shoulder and take them round and put them in the put them into um the lateral sorry the, yeah, the lateral vascular constriction which is commonly called the, the sleeper and then I'd be in a safe position behind them and I could see what else was going on and pull them and take them out and I've used this I've used that quite a lot with people um but yeah yeah sorry going back to the the verbal intera- interaction thing is a is a huge thing so if you haven't got that or an understanding of it you could have a great position right I've got the person in front of me you could line them up for your your KO like pre strike or Whatever you're going to do but if you if someone's verbally interacting with you it's and you're not used to it you it's often like well, when does the fight start when does this physical interaction actually start here oh yeah. i've been here yeah. and it's um yeah it's it's something that 100 percent people with someone who's interested in actual doing self-defense is um a very very important factor on it yeah the the yeah, that bit which we haven't been able to do very much over the last year, of course, because it obviously involves that bit of contact. But it's yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge, huge part of um, of self defence is just getting used to that aggression. Um, I remember doing a, a seminar over at uh, Phil Whitlock's, like uh, probably a year and a half ago now. Um, and one of your students, um, oh, the Scottish gent? What's the fourth degree? Um oh, Mark. Oh, Mark. Um, oh, god, I'm terrible with names. Yeah, and he's he's done self-defense before. And I said, well, we're just going to simulate someone being aggressive. And he actually, because he's done things like this before, he came out and was shouted and aggressive. And he's got a very deep voice. And obviously, yeah. um, the way he approached it was quite real. And you could see people like actually going, whoa, like I see them out of, the, out of my periphery sort of going, whoa, this is a bit, <laughs> this is a bit heavy. And it's, it, it's good, to, good them to see that, even though it's someone, they obviously have a level of trust and understanding that they've got this trust. He's a fourth degree. He's always very polite and he's, uh, runs the tournaments, I believe. Um, to the, the, a tournament. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So everyone really knows him and has got that sort of automatic trust and sort of respect for him, but he flared up and did that. And and even though it wasn't at them, and it was in a controlled environment, and everyone knew there was going to be a level of aggression because I'd already t- said what the next subject was, it was uh, it was really sort of labelled the point because he actually used he actually swore at me, um, which is obviously a part of um, the language that's used today, especially in aggression. You, people don't say "you blighter," I'm going to get you, and <laughs> yeah, you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always these sort of ideas. that. Yeah, using sort of sexual expletives when you and they're always the sh, tends to be the, the sharper words used. I'm gonna fuck you know or whatever. And it's um it was good that he did that, but it shocked me in a way as well, which was good because I whoa went back into my fence. I thought he was just going to be physically aggressive and it was just good. Whoa. And it really sort of switched me on and uh I really sort of made made the point to everybody. This is, you know, what I just said about how trusting everyone is. You all know who this guy is. Um and it still made them shock, even though they're, you know, they knew the whole situation. It was uh, it was yeah, it was a good sort of wake-up call for people. Um and it's some, yeah, it's a massive thing. It's a very, very important thing to be able to deal with, that verbal interaction, especially when people are flaring up and knowing sort of what to say and how to always be thinking of what you're gonna do. And that's what you're saying about the um the difference between reactive and proactive sort of attitude to self-protection and it's it really those sort of interactions are the things that make understanding a preemptive strike being the most important thing rather than going if they punch you do this block do this um because you it's very very to be reactive to those things is i mean i've only done it a few times and it's worked out very well when i've done it the person's always ended up in a very debilitated position. I've been in complete control. Um, but that was few and far between. Um, I've been mean, talking about the old, the sort of very uh, variations on the techniques. Um, and we've spoken about this before. There's a few that really can work in many situations, um, but very, very few. And they're the sort of ones that I teach, ones that can cover a wide variety of, things happening. A lot of them are too with like giving you the person flinches and comes at you and giving you going from your fence and coming in here and sort of entering and maybe spearing with two elbows or one elbow here or covering this way. But these are all sort of variations of what after the entry here it could be considered to be a wedging coming in, parting the arm and the head. And then you get your techniques from there. But it's simple because I'm just, it's like a flinch response a lot of people refer to it as. I'm here, the person suddenly attacks and I'm just covering myself. But it's weaponizing that flinch. Um, And I never really thought of it as a a wedging block until I sort of went boom, boom. And I suddenly went, oh, I grabbed him. I grabbed the person there and I grabbed him around sort of the neck here. And I've just, and it's almost like a wedging block. I'm not saying it is, it's just something, a good way to sort of realize that the hand's coming in here so you're using the backs of the arms here not exposing the belly and then as you enter you're grabbing so the hands are turning and it's just a good biomechanic sure Um, Sure. but then again you could go to here and if the hand goes low it could end up being like a we've talked about this before as well it could be like a knife on garning block And it's so it's it's i don't really like to say this is this this is this i just said it could if i'm teaching someone who's done a traditional martial art it's like saying, well, it's a bit like this rather than it is. Yes. But all yes. the stance uses are there. I mean, I use like apart from the basic stance in the um, in the fence, um, walking stance or is a primary a primary use and um, going from here to actually close that distance to actually mm-hmm. generate the power. I mean, all the all the stances really do come into their own when you actually look at these things. There's um like, you see some of the USC fires. I mean, John Jones is a classy. He uses horse stance, sitting stance quite a bit. He dips into it. And he uses a rear foot stance quite a bit as well. And he doesn't stop in it. And you have to actually really watch for it to actually be able sure. to pinpoint. <clears throat> there are all, all those stances are used in there. But because they don't stop in it, you don't... Yeah, it's very hard to actually pinpoint and see it because of the fluidity of the action. Um I think I've gone
0: off that tangent now, sorry. No, 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 that's, that's, that's fine. I, I think, I, I mean, that's some good explanation there. And it's, it, it, I think for, you know, people people listening to this, you know, for, for me, um, you know, what you're saying there about sort of doing something, then realising actually it looks a little bit like this is mm. is something that, that's the way my brain works as well. <laughs> you know, I mm. see something and think, oh, wow, that's a, you know, a guarding block or that could be, this or it could be that or or so on you know um I mean you know our body generally all moves in the same way and whether we're doing martial arts or whether we're doing something else but I I also find that with other disciplines as well um Mm -hmm. sporting disciplines I look at that I think oh wow Mm -hmm. I, I was watching um a badminton practice session okay a couple of years ago as a badminton coach and the footwork was so much like martial arts it was unbelievable right because when you're moving from one position to the next, you know, and you want to get there um, with, um, you know, speed, um, and you
1: want to use uh, a certain type of movement to get into a certain position. Mm -hmm. Um, And also control at the end of the movement rather than just running forwards.
0: Exactly, and I was looking at it, I was thinking, wow, that's really mm. good that's um almost like martial arts footwork and they were you know it was yeah. badminton and I'm sure probably the same would be for things like uh, squash or tennis or whatever oh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, and, and the way the body moves and the balance and so on so yeah no I, I think um I think what you said there makes makes perfect sense mm. what I was also going to ask was you know for me I've mentioned this before on on previous podcasts uh I love the the fitness side of a martial art the way that Mm. it keeps my body strong and I think probably the value of some of the movements and some of the patterns that we do give you a lot of physical benefits they may not be practical Mm. Um, we know we know that but actually the physical benefits of just lifting your your arms above your shoulders um, Mm. or bending your knees in a certain way uh, moving through a, a form of maybe 30 or 40 movements will give you that physical benefit. So what I was going to ask was, yes. yeah, I was going to ask was whether whether you put, uh, you know, you have a physical element to the classes that you run. Now you don't teach what I would call, say, a, a traditional art per se, mm. even though you're using elements of it. You know, how,
1: how does that work, the, the physical side? Um. Well, I do. This is akin kind. I mean, a, uh, a pattern is like shadow boxing, really, isn't it? That's sort of what what it is. Um, yes. Uh, tra- I mean, going back to sort of traditionally, the um, you would learn the techniques, and the Japanese sort of Okinawan kata would be just a way of remembering them all and sticking them together. I do have loose sort of forms, but um, they do change a little bit over time, which. Um, it sounds almost blasphemous in martial arts sometimes just to, to like hardcore traditionalists. Um, but there's some, um, like you, you see some of the quotes from the Okinawa masters. I can't remember exactly what they are, but there's a few of them that say the kata should f- change and be fluid if new information is found. So it's like um, you get some sort of traditionalists saying, oh, that shouldn't be done like that. Um, and it's like, well, look what the founder of this martial arts said. And it's, it's, it, it creates a lot of controversy and what have you, a lot of sort of negativity sometimes, which, I mean, I'm, I'm outside of all of that, of course, but there's lots of um, sort of um, social media groups that I belong to. So I can look, feed information off of them and look at what they're doing and see if I can sort of glean anything from them, if I can um, utilize myself. Um, but yeah, I do have Kata. Um I do have uh, just a basic number of them, um, very, very few moods in them, really. Um, but it's hard when you're creating them because from like a set, if I've done a, like I've done this crash entry here, which is like the wedging block from there, there's a huge number of uh, ways we can go from there. Um, whether I've got the arm under my this pit or I've got it under here and creating them and trying to co- trying to collect them all. So everything I want is in there. Um, but still not too much information is, can be difficult and it's a bit of a headache to do. <laughs> so um i tend to people just want to get in there and do some things that will work initially but yeah i do um do practice by own and try and add to them and try and sort of perfect them which will obviously never happen uh in the long run but yeah i do i do completely agree with you with the patterns they're i mean they're an excellent form of exercise and they they've they can make people go through ranges of move- movement with their body and realise uh, lack of lack of uh, mobility and flexibility in themselves through doing them, and therefore can try and improve on them. Whereas if they just go, I'm going to go running, um, it's just this single plane of movement, and you'd never realise your um, your posture might be out and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there. I mean, as you say, the things like things like this, obviously, sort of things like self defence wise, you're taking the joint to the extri- extent of movement on two sides. Um, and things like that and it's it's probably got no real sort of absolutely practical application but again it's flexibility and this is to do with posture and things like that whereas the posture i'm generally using it's sort of yeah a bit more hunched as it were <laughs> whereas you know taekwondo um as you've always said about posture shoulders back and head back and getting the spine alignment the, the taekwondo patterns really do show you that um Just sort of going back to what you were saying about badminton sports, and this is to do with posture as well. So these two sort of connect there. Um, Over the years, I've looked at different ways of power generation. um, And because I'm not like a heavy, big, strong, naturally uh, strong guy, I've always looked for ways for generating power. But again, looking at different sports and the the way that I've, uh, obviously you get different martial arts saying, do this, no, no, do this. And they're arguing about whether the punch should be this way, this way, or whatever. I know you know it's all these different angles coming from. But if you look at, um I look at javelin throwers because javelin throwers all over the world all throw more or less the same. And you can see from the side they do. I've seen some videos of the sp- the way the spine works. So instead of just using the twist, using things like the spinal engine, so it, it's got a whipping effect and it gives them much more you know, maximum power on the end. And that could be that could be changed to um, transferred into way people punch as well. I mean, yeah. going the, going to sort of there when I go to Thailand and hitting pads, I've actually had people say for my weight how hard I can hit, which is I mean my Thai box is not that good, believe me. It's you go over there and I feel um, rather poor at it really, <laughs> but, um, but it's good to have that sort of oh wow and you know how that's you know that's really good. But obviously with things like community um, language barriers, it's hard to actually sort of. Express what I mean by how I do it, but some of them sort of get the idea of it, and it really does can increase increase your power. Looking at that, and the way I sort of teach that is often get people to just throw a ball, or I used to have tennis balls; they all got lost. But getting people to throw a focus mitt, or a hat, or a, a, a boxing glove, hand mitt, or whatever, and just forget martial arts, just throw it as far as you can, and have a wall there, and get their partner to watch their body how it moves from the side, and it's got that fluidity. Um, and the spine tends to sort of uh, go through this this action here just yeah uh, just like a javelin thrower so that's the thing about looking mm-hmm. at yeah, definitely looking at sports for um trying to sort of glean what I can from what i can see of how their body moves for sure it's uh, it's definitely been a, an interesting road to coming you know going down watching that yeah, um, yeah. the same mm-hmm. it's not so obvious because it's underneath but they do they do something quite similar as well like golfers as well.
0: Sorry, go on. Well, no, I, I'm just going to just really agree with you. You know, I've watched different uh, different sports, and I always like watching, because I'm, I'm quite a short, shorter, lighter individual, I've always mm-hmm. liked watching shorter, lighter people mm, um, sure. and, who create power. You think, wow, you know, they're, they're that small. Uh, they haven't got a lot of weight, so where is that power coming from? And mm-hmm. I find that, you know, just, just looking at people – very similar to that looking at the way they move um, you know whether it's kicking a ball throwing a ball hitting a ball um, and and looking and also as well I, I mean I would add to that that things like uh, coordination and timing uh, oh, and and yeah. having uh, distance as well with certain things you know if we're if we're, if we're talking about um, generally sports coordination timing um, and some have amazing coordination amazing timing uh, amazing yeah. accuracy and that all comes into it as well so yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know I, I, I think there's there's a sometimes when you see somebody do something you think wow that's fantastic but there's so many elements that go into that mm. so, you, know, you can really pick apart everything say wow their timing was good their balance was excellent um mm. you know the, it, the, and everything together just brings it
1: together. Mm. so yeah yeah that's what like conor mcgregor i mean he's He's a fantastic stand-up fighter, and he what was he he says um, timing and um, accuracy beat speed and power for the actual effect of it. And I, the, one of the things I try and uh, sort of teach, if I want to, if someone's holding a focus mirror, I'm hitting a bag or something. If I want to hit that as hard as I can, I'll run it from across the room. It's just sort of an exaggeration of of it. If I want to, if I want to hit something hard, I'll make it a massive technique, but that's the thing if someone sees it then they're just going to move away from it and it might and the power will end up going away from the strike lessening it so it's that it's that thing about hitting them um, creating that power with a small movement so it isn't telegraphed but it's the the timing and accuracy thing is different in when you preempt striking someone than actually having a sort of consensual violence fight with somebody because then you've got to time the closing distance um it's a different skill when someone's on the end of your hand and they're pushing their weight on here. It's more down to sort of the timing's a little bit different. It's it's choosing the time when to do it is a different, a completely different sort of um, analysis than doing choosing the time of when you're stalking each other at a sort of longer range because you've got to try and time it when they're coming in or you try and evade and then counter them. But, yeah, timing and accuracy, if you hit the you know, as we all know, if you – do a lighter strike at the right area; it makes a, a huge difference um, than doing a heavy strike on the wrong area. Like if someone brings their shoulder up and you hit it with a heavy hook on the shoulder, it'll make the body move a bit, but it hasn't hasn't done the like desired effect of hitting them like on the hinge of the jaw with a lighter strike. So it's a yeah, it's it's a, a yeah, huge things they are as well, and it's just it's fine tuning things and the other thing about understanding adrenaline and actually putting yourself under pressure testing because often it gives you that. Oh, panic, 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 and I'm going to make this technique as big as I can because I want to hit them as hard as I can. And that, with that telegraphing sort of effect, it really um, lessens the effect, the damage, the power was, would be there. Like if you were hitting a bag, but the damage is different. Sometimes I'm hitting a, pad, a bag or something. It doesn't look like I'm hitting it very hard, but it's the I'm looking for the effect it'll have on the person rather than the actual effect it will have on the pad. It's a yeah, it's a it's a very um, it can sometimes yeah, uh, it can sometimes look a bit odd, like it's not going to do anything. But the effect, the effect can be quite dramatic. There was um at the weigh-ins of the UFC just for the weekend gone, you know, they square up and do their sort of face-off. <laughs> um, one guy pushed the other guy back quite hard. It didn't look like anything sort of dramatic or special, but because the other guy wasn't ready for it, he actually couldn't compete. He felt that like he was ill. He was um, he was out, just from being pushed back. Um, and it does it does sort of show the effect of if I'm there in my fence, um, if I make this a big technique, yes, it will have more power. But the actual effect of that, if I make this a smaller technique that the other person can't see coming and it isn't telegraphed, and therefore they haven't got the awareness, their brain isn't switched, and their body doesn't tense um, up for it. It's um, it, the difference again, actually, how it can affect. The damage of the strike make it's a huge, you know make a huge difference, and it's like being in a. If you're going to be in a car crash, uh, this is one one way I often go through. If you're going to be in a car crash, and I'm looking out the window this way, and the car's coming this way, and my body and brain are relaxed. You haven't got any preparation for it coming. Your body, you're just going to go woof and fly over, and your brain's going to get thrown around here. But if I see it coming, I'm going to tense. I've got physical and mental preparation for being hit. And it makes a lot of difference you know you're tensing up you're keeping everything together as one unit it's not going to actually rock the brain and cause that sort of as much effect Well, obviously still a car crashing into you's not going to be pleasant but it's just neither is being hit but it's just trying to sort of have that have that bit of an understanding of using a more streamlined technique rather than something that might look impressive on the bag or whatever I yeah, no no, no that, that, that's fine to be
0: honest I, I think that's been been great I'm uh we're, we're, ne- we're nearly believe it not we're nearly to the end of end of uh end of time um okay. but that, that's been fantastic I've, I've really really enjoyed uh listening to your concepts um because it, it is fascinating it's fascinating where you know you know, coming to, to to train with me and seeing you as a, mm. as a young person, and then where this has taken you, um, into mm. into different things. But I think it's good because I think we have to, you know, examine what we do and why we're doing it. You know, and whether mm. it's for self defense, and are we getting that out of it? And if we're not, what do we need to do? Mm. Um, you know, is it is it just the physical uh, elements of training that we love? You know, is it the social elements and just really recognise, you know, why we're doing something, uh, mm. and recognise then, are we getting what we want from it? So, no, it, it's it's brilliant. Um, you know, I, once again, this is our third one. I'd Love to do another one. Um, <laughs> so much, uh, so much to, uh, to to talk about, and I think I think the the people listening to this will be fascinated by your your thoughts. I'm hoping that some of the people listening to this uh, will be um be able to attend some of the sessions that, that you do and i th- i think
1: that will be very very beneficial for them um mm. you know in and even one little little glimpse at it is a is a an eye opener and all sometimes can be an, enough to give you that idea of things yes um, yes of self protection. it's and I, I i yeah anyway time time is up <laughs> Indeed. well uh
0: just want to say to everyone thanks for listening to this uh, to this episode of uh, living martial arts with me the dark master and with mr adam woodhouse a uh, fantastic interview really really enjoy it enjoyed it and hopefully we'll see you again very very soon thank you